Hello, everybody. God invites us to wake from our slumbers. God encourages us to proclaim God's goodness and love. God inspires us to be bold in our action and confident in faith. Let's go, Holy One. Be with us as we step boldly out to show and share the truth that love transforms. Amen. Good morning, Middle Church. Good morning. morning. My name is Christina Fleming, and I work with the communications team here at Middle Church. And we're so excited that you're here for the first Sunday of Pride Month. And if this is your first time to Middle, uh, Middle does Pride how most churches do Advent all month long. Actually, we do it all year long, but it's a special glitter in uh, June. So uh, we're excited to have Graham preaching. I got that glitter from. And many of you know Graham well. He is in his 
he is about to start his third year at Yale Divinity School. And he is also on the Greater Consistory and served for many years on the Consistory at Middle Church. So we are excited for all things Graham. And uh, this Sunday, of course, is the second. Next Sunday is the ninth, which is Pentecost. And Pentecost is a big deal at Middle because in the scripture it says people from all ethnicities came together and they spoke in one voice. And so next Sunday you're invited to wear um, uh, clothes from your ethnicity or wear red. And we'll have potlucks after both worships so you can spend some time getting to know someone you might not know. Uh, if you might, might not do brunch next Sunday, you might bring, uh, bring a you brunch here. You bring something that doesn't need to be put in the oven or the refrigerator beforehand and just put it on the table and join us for Pentecost potluck. We want to make sure you save the date for Wednesday, June 19th, which is going to be Queer Faith. It's a fundraiser for Middle Church and the Audrey Lord Project. And it is going to be an evening when Titus Burgess will be singing. And there'll be some beautiful art. I think Madge and Alex are also singing. And it, uh, just put on a, uh, something that makes you smile in the summer and join us for a great cause and to raise money for Middle Church, which is on the move all the time. Um, we also had an amazing youth come from a synagogue in New Jersey today to make sandwiches for the hungry in the park. And so um, the United Synagogue of Hoboken is here today. They are, can hear my voice behind this wall, but we um, are grateful that they came out and, and are putting all those sandwiches together for the hungry. So, and, all of that you make possible, Middle. Um, do we have any visitors here today? People who might be at Middle for the first time or maybe just visiting from out of town and you've been here before? If you'll just raise your hand, beautiful. Where are you visiting from? Germany, oh, beautiful. Uh, and yes. Wonderful, where are you visiting from? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Hey, and where are you visiting from? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Beautiful. Yeah. And introverts, it's okay. I wouldn't talk either. Um, yes? Boston. D.C. is in the house. And? Chelsea. Chelsea. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. So we know that um, if someone just raised their hand, we're going to welcome you warmly during the passing of the peace and all the time. And if you, um, you can stay connected to us by the live stream happens every Sunday at 11.45. So if you want to wave to your friends who might be visiting, but are back in France right now. And um, you can also join the church no matter where you live if middle church slash join. Oh, a gospel choir concert is this afternoon. 2.30 p.m., doors will open at 2, and it is, I think it's like their 33rd concert. <laughs> um, and this is, if you want to just rearrange your cells, cells with goodness, this is the place to be at 2.30. So we hope you'll join us. It always just rearranges my cells. Um, I hope that I covered all things good, and we're so glad you're here. Thank you, Christina and choirs and everyone. As we continue in worship now, let us go to God in prayer.
Gather us in, O God. Find us here, Holy Spirit. The warmth of today reminds us of your warm and loving embrace of us, all of us, all of who we are. Calm the fears we bring with us today. If for even a moment, allow us to find peace in knowing that we are loved by you, that we are children of the divine. For those hurting today, without food, work, companionship, energy, health, we pray. For those without basic human rights, we pray. And we remember on this first Sunday of Pride Month that pride is about human rights. God, though we worship here in a fully inclusive, open, and affirming place that says no matter who you are or how you are, as you walk through the door, we welcome you. Help us not forget our past, nor let us become too isolated from the rest of the world, the rest of the country, parts of our city, even some of our very own family and friends who believe that the church is a place that can't fully celebrate and affirm our LGBTQ plus siblings. God, because of this, our work continues. Let us not forget that in 1969, only 50 years ago, queer life wasn't something that could be widely celebrated. People were arrested for wearing clothing that didn't fit into assigned gender. The New York State Liquor Authority would shut down bars that sold alcohol to members of the LGBTQ community. And homosexual acts of any kind were illegal. God, today we lift up Stormy DeLarvey, a black lesbian clubbed over the head by an officer in what began the Stonewall riots for complaining that her handcuffs were too tight. For the injustice done to Stormy and to the many injustices to black, indigenous, and people of color in the struggle for freedom, we ask for forgiveness. Today, we lift up the leaders of the movement for gender equality. Marsha Johnson, black drag queen, and Sylvia Rivera, a Latina queen, the first two to actively resist the police during the Stonewall riots. We lift up Brenda Howard, a bisexual woman known as the mother of pride. 
May we never forget their utter bravery against state-sanctioned violence and outright hate. God, while we are grateful for their leadership, we grieve that 50 years later, the greatest injustices are done to our transgender siblings, especially black trans women. Lord, in your mercy, forgive us. And God, for anyone today still wondering what you think about them, may the words of the prophet Isaiah speak truth in their souls today. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And from the psalmist, for it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, in full expression of gender and love, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Today, Franklin Graham calls upon America to pray for Donald Trump, to celebrate his victories and pray for his continued success. And likewise, today, we boldly reclaim a different Christianity of love and justice and pray for the women assaulted by this administration the families this administration has separated, and for our LGBTQ siblings, this administration continues to marginalize. God, for all of this and all the things unsaid, yet heavy in our hearts, we come to you, believing that in your mercy, your goodness, your love, we will be moved towards better days. In your many holy names, we ask all of these things. Amen. And now please stand as you are able and grab the hand or the shoulder of someone next to you as you are comfortable. As we say together the prayer that Jesus taught us to say, praying, ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Our reign come, our will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And forgive us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For our is your name, power, Friends, we are people of peace, and this world always needs more peace. So let's spread that peace now. May the peace of God be with you. Peace, Lane.
morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm chapter 27, verses 7 through 14. Listen now for a word from God. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek God's face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. 
Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Holy One, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. I was 20 years old when I came out for the first time. It was not an easy process. I grew up in a small conservative town and the lessons I learned there were not ones that were easily dismantled. Even as I tried to live joyously into my truth, there were these moments of deep pain and loss and fear as I struggled to understand the implications of my self-discovery and the impact it seemed to have on those around me. I can still remember walking down West 79th Street with my girlfriend at the time. It was this beautiful summer sunny day and we were strolling hand in hand past Colony Music's window display and I was offering running commentary on the current Broadway season when a woman stormed up to us and asked me brusquely if we were sisters. I said, no, and her face screwed up into this hateful rage, and she told me I was an abomination, and I was going to hell. My girlfriend, who was older than I was and had been out longer, gripped me by the hand and pulled us away, yelling something back at that woman that I honestly do not remember, because I was in a state of shock. See, I grew up in the church. I'm a pastor's kid. And up to that point, I was pretty certain I had done everything right. I'd given my life to Jesus. I'd sung in all the choirs. I'd memorized Bible verses. I'd gone on missions trips. I'd offered my testimony. I have journals filled with Bible study notes and private prayers, discussions with God about all the things that are going on in my life. And even as I had struggled to square my faith with my life, I'd been diligent and I thought I had a pretty good handle on my relationship with God. But I have to be honest, when I encountered that level of hate, and from someone who claimed to believe what I believed, I was shaken. And it was hard to hold on to God. It was hard to feel like God was still with me because privileged as I was, I had always had a family 
I had always had church. And when I suddenly had neither, it was so much harder to stay grounded and believe. The psalmist this morning knows a little bit about that struggle. That's one of the reasons I love this text, and I thought it would be a good place to start as we kick off pride. Because both in the part we're reading this morning and in the totality, Psalm 27 is about the desire to find God even in the face of great obstacles. The psalm itself is usually broken up into two parts. Verses one to six make up what scholars call the psalm of trust, an affirmation of God's power and presence, even in the midst of dire situations. And verses 7 to 14 do kind of a similar thing, but are considered an individual petition. This means that the psalm both reflects the fears, anxieties, and struggles of its writer, and also offers a word of courage and hope. But we pick up our text this morning to find that the psalmist is not in a great situation. All around them, people are spreading lies, attacking them. The text says, breathing out violence. And on top of that, the people who they thought would love them most have suddenly ghosted, leaving them alone to face the chaos. That's a reality I think many of us can relate to. So things are not going well for the psalmist, and even though they've just offered up a prayer of trust, it's clear that things aren't quite that simple. Hear, O God, when I cry out loud. Be gracious and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek God's face. Your face, O Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn away from your servant in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God, of my salvation. The psalmist is praying, and they're also afraid. And if you listen closely, you might recognize a familiar tension between what your heart knows and what your head thinks. The things we deeply believe to be true. And the practical reality of the world we are experiencing, which often seems to be in direct contrast to those beliefs. This is the prayer of somebody who deeply wants to be faithful, deeply wants to believe, and who is finding it harder than they expected to hold the line. The psalmist believes in their heart that God is faithful, but their head is having a little bit of a harder time. There's a lot going on around them. People are spreading lies. People are setting them up for failure. People are preaching out violence against them from the pulpit. People are passing laws that limit their humanity. People are discriminating against them so they cannot get stable housing or a steady job. People are targeting them simply for walking down the street. People are not even certain they're fully human and they're saying it in the name of the psalmist's God. In light of all this, is it really any wonder that the psalmist is struggling to hold fast to God's promise? Sometimes it's hard to believe that God will have your back. I am reminded of Mark 9, 24, and another person in pain, a father 
whose child is dying, crying out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's kind of a remarkable prayer. Sometimes, especially in the midst of hard things, it can feel like God is nowhere to be found. So there's a lot of fear and anxiety in this psalm. But what I want us also to notice is that neither the fear nor the anxiety stop the psalmist from bringing them to God. Now that may sound simple, but I think the reality is that it's often much harder than it sounds. Especially if you're getting messages left, right, and center that some parts of you have no place in, say, a church. Have you ever felt like you couldn't bring all of you to God? Like worship had no place for your sadness or your anger or your rage, maybe your doubt? I know I have. And yet that's one of the reasons that I love this psalm. Because not only does it name this very human fear and emotion that we struggle with in hard times, but it also reminds us that God has room for all of those things. Dr. Willie Jennings says that doubts are an essential part of the conversation we have with God and important for developing our faith. Because when we insist on staying engaged in that relationship, we have permission to ask all of our questions. This is not blind faith. We haven't torn ourselves out of the conversation. Anything that can be brought into prayer is part of God's ecology. It reminds me of a story of three rabbis who, well in Auschwitz, decided to put God on trial. And in doing so, they collectively determined that God was guilty that God had not given God's people something. And after the trial ended, one of the rabbis looked up and said, it's time for evening prayer. And they went to pray. This morning's scripture reminds us that God is big enough to hold all our problems, our fears, our insecurities, our anger, and even our doubts. I remember this one moment where I was really overwhelmed, really sad, and I was listening to Andre Patterson's version of The Lord is Blessing Me. And I turned to Jackie and I said, Jackie, I don't know if I can sing this song. Because it doesn't feel like the Lord is blessing me. I feel all alone. And she said, that's not why you sing. You sing until you believe it. You pray your way back into faith. We insist that God is here, even when the lies and the violence swirl around us. We insist that God loves us, even when our hearts are broken, and it feels like nothing on earth could be further away from the truth. We bring all of our hopes and our fears and our doubts to God, and we name them not because God is some magical genie who's going to fix it, but because we believe God cares, because we believe that God is a God who is with us in our suffering. We believe, as Dolores Williams tells us, that God is a God of survival. 
We keep praying because if we stopped, it would mean believing the lies of all the people around us who are spewing hate. And those lies are not God's heart for us. Even if my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And I believe that I will see the Lord again in the land of the living. So I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I want you to know that God has not left you simply because your family did, or because your friends did, or because your church did. None of those things are God. God is a God who is on our side, who shows up in the middle of our darkest hour. God is our glitter family. Those of you who don't know, glitter family is a term coined by author S. Bear Bergman for our chosen families. Those people in our lives who, blood relation or not, have our backs, help us along, and love us when we cannot imagine loving ourselves. He calls it glitter family because he says, glitter is known to be shiny and unruly, easy to get and hard to get rid of. I love its drag connotations and the femme visibility of it, as well as its unmistakably queer sensibility. Look only as far as glitter bombing for proof that nothing is as thoroughly and satisfyingly queer as glitter. When I came out, things were not good. And if I'm honest, I could not imagine seeing God again, having faith again. But when I look out at you, Middle Church, I see God again in the land of the living. I see color, I see possibility, and I see glitter, figuratively and literally. So this morning I want to affirm to you that we are all part of God's glitter family. Because the thing about glitter is it never really goes away. So even when you have those moments of doubt and despair, even when you feel like the lies and the violence are swirling around you, we believe we will see God again in the land of the living and we know because we can see the glitter. The sharp, small moments of beauty and life twinkling in the most unexpected places. That is what this church is. And that is what God calls us to be. Be strong, says the psalmist, and wait on the Lord. And while you're doing that, we're called to be a community that loves, a community that cares, a community that looks at you when you are at your lowest and still says, I see you. I believe you. I believe in your inherent worth in your full humanity. You are family to me. And I am going to love you and march with you and pray for you and show up because that's what family does. And that's what God calls us to do. To be brave, to bring our doubts and fears to God, to name the evil in the world and to insist that we were meant to survive because God meant us to survive. 
Even if my mother and father reject me, even if my church kicked me out, if my job fired me, even if siblings no longer speak to me, I believe I will see God again in the land of the living. And I believe that we are called to build a world where other people will see God again too. We don't have to be there yet. We don't have to be there this very moment. But being part of a family means that we take care of each other. Being part of a movement means we show up for one another on the street and in our interpersonal relationships. God chooses you. You are part of the Glitter family. A family that's committed to a world of justice and peace and flourishing. We may not get there today or tomorrow, but we are going to get there. And we will do it together. May it be so. Amen. So now we come to the part of worship where there are two things going on. One is that I want to invite you to be part of this Glitter family if you're not yet. If this feels like home to you, if you heard something that moves your soul, if you want to be involved in this movement for a radical new kind of love, you are welcome just as you are as you walked in the door this morning. And I would encourage you after worship is over to come meet Amanda right up here and she will get you signed up and hooked in and we are so excited to have you. The other thing is that right now is the time in worship where we give our tithes and offerings. And for the month of pride, one of the things that we're encouraging people to do is to give your gift in honor of somebody who helped you get here. Somebody who's part of your glitter family. So when you Give your gift if you write on the envelope that name on the back of it. We'll be collecting those all through the month. And then on the 30th, on Pride Sunday, we will have an honor roll so people can see just a small glimpse into all of the people who helped us get here today. We now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God.
Let us pray together. Dear God, may these tokens of generosity lead us to move furiously onto the path you desire for all of us. For these gifts are the seeds of social justice. Let us sow them together in community to bring new life and the energy required for this ongoing movement in which love transforms hearts, minds, spirits, and with your grace, laws. Thank you, dear God, for abundance so that we may continue to protect and fight for LGBTQ rights. Thank you for this glitter family. For not until the least of us is free are we able to achieve true liberation. With you, our liberation is possible. In all your names, we pray. Amen. This table is a welcome table set for each and every one of us and meant to bring God's family together around it in love. We come to this table from many different kinds of places, bringing our experiences, our expectations, our hopes, and our prayers. We come to encounter something holy, something radical, something that claims us for each other and for love. Communion is a moment that exists in the past, the present, and the future. It reminds us of where we've been and what God has done for those who paved our way. It asks us to be present in the now, and it transforms us as we become part of something ancient, holy, radical, and new. It reminds us of God's promise that a time is coming where there will be no more spilling of blood, no more broken bodies, and wholeness and the peace of God will infuse every breath, every moment, and every living thing. Holy One, we break this bread as you broke bread with your disciples. This is your broken body for us all. We too are your body. Shine in and through us. We eat remembering you and remembering and receiving your spirit that is inside all of us. We share this cup as you shared the cup with the ones you loved. This cup is your life poured out for all. It is the cup of the new covenant, the renewed covenant. We drink remembering you, receiving your spirit inside us as you commanded. And as we come to this table, may we remember that we come from a long tradition of justice warriors and faithful people who believed in love's radical promise. You are welcome at this table just as you are as you came through the door. Come, eat, drink. Ushers will help you as we serve from the front to the back. The table is set and all is ready. Welcome.
people have come, we have feasted, and we are forever changed because of this table. May it be so, God. May it be so. Amen. Middle Church, receive now this charge and benediction.
go out into the world and glitter bomb it with God's love. Be the sharp, sparkly, hard to get rid of, beautiful thing in someone's life this week and bring them hope. And may the love of God, who Jesus called Father, the peace of the Christ, and the blessing and fullness of God's Holy Spirit be on each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.